0: What's up, everybody? This is Dex with the I Am Pits podcast, and I am back for another episode. But I'm going to go ahead and give you all the fair warning now. This is not going to be a very long episode, so you will have plenty of time to go get done whatever you need to get done the rest of the day. So, I'm, like I said, I'm going to keep it short only because I am officially back in the booth. And when I say booth, I mean back in the closet. No. Now, back in the closet, like the Q community, whatever it all is. Back in the booth, in the closet, my actual closet, working on the audiobook for I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. People have been asking me about the book, the audiobook, for so long, and I've been trying, and I have been trying, and I have been trying. But life has constantly gotten in the way. And you know what? I can give you all a thousand excuses as to why I have not done the audiobook yet work, family, protest. I mean, you name it, I got the excuses, but you know me. I'm not a man of excuses. I've just been dragging my feet and because it requires a lot of time, and it requires a lot of resources, And which I really don't have much of either. But I'm on my way now to getting the audiobook underway. So I did the first, op- the, I did the opening, the introduction, and the first two chapters, man, and I was in the zone doing the audio book, reading and hitting the pauses and doing all that. But what people fail to realize is to get your audiobook accepted by Amazon or another company, there are uh, specific parameters and guidelines that have to be met. And so and, it, and they are very strict at that. So for me... I got through reading and I was hyped. I was like, man, this is going to sound so good. So I go back and start listening to the audio I had just recorded. And in the background, you could hear somebody, some jerk, living their life, completely ignoring the fact that I'm in my closet working on an audiobook, deciding to just inconvenience me living his everyday life by cutting his grass. And you could just hear him in the background in the headphones, Man, I wasted probably two hours of my life. Well, I'm not going to say I wasted two hours of my life. No, yes, I did waste two hours of my life because I can't get the time back. And I talked to the guy that's helping me, the audio engineer. I was like, man, is there any way that you all can cut that out? It's like, nope, that's just going to be in the background and you'll lose quality. So I had to go back and start all over again. So, yes, I'm a little frustrated. People don't realize how difficult it is. You know, writing a book is difficult, but doing the audio book and having to read it yourself. And there's, you know, this is I'm not a professional. I am doing this (laughs) hood style, man. I'm doing I'm just winging it in here. Kind of like the podcast when it started. I'm just winging it, just kind of going and learning as I go. And hopefully that by the time I get done and the audio engineer, I've hired that they are able to help me get the book into the correct specifications to where it will be accepted. So that is where I'm at. But, man, you don't realize how you hear everything in your headphones when you're trying to read this audio book. You know, you can hear your mouth open and smack. And I mean, it's just everything. Hopefully he'll be able to take care of all that for me. I'm sure he will. But my God, dude, just people living their lives and inconvenience me. How dare you all let me do my audio book in peace, damn it. So that's what I'm working on, man, But and especially nowadays because I feel like we need more entertainment, we need more podcasts, and we need more audiobooks because I am sick and tired of these damn Hollywood elites and their craziness. For example, the Academy, was it the Oscars Academy Awards? I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, just the whole thing with Will Smith and Chris Rock, and i am be honest, I'm not going to stay on it long because really... Like the little the black girls in the hood say, I don't give a damn, boo-boo. I don't care. I really don't care about Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith. I really don't. You know why I don't care? Because that's the only black-on-black violence that's going to get everybody's attention. Other than that, we just turn our nose the other way and just kind of go about our day. But that one, no, that's going to have everybody talking. And now I'm not going to sit here and say I did appreciate the memes that came out of it. They were great, but my God, it's just social media and everybody was on it so quick, man, and it got old so fast, so fast. And my thing is, I don't care what any of these celebrities do or think because they are so detached from reality. Will Smith and Jada, they are weirdos. They're Scientologists. If there's any Scientologists out there listening, I don't care, you're weirdos. You know what? If there's any far right-wing extremist Christians out there. You're weirdos. Is there any far-left atheists out there? You're weirdos. The rest of us are all just normal, kind of in the middle, chilling, watching you all spiral out of control. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, I just... Who... I don't care. I don't even really watch movies anymore. It is so hard to watch movies because everything has this element of wokeness in it, and I just don't want to subject myself to it no more. So... You know, I watched, what was the movie I watched the other day? It was a movie on Amazon that just got released called Master. And it looked pretty decent. It looked almost like a somewhat black horror movie. Me? I'm a horror fan. I love horrors. Oh, pardon me. That, well, let me rephrase that. I love horror movies. Don't don't strike me down, Lord. And all the ladies listening out there, I did not mean that like that. I love horror movies. <laughs> but although Jesus loved the horrors too, though, you know. Don't judge. Don't judge. He without sin cast the first stone, people. (laughs) But, yeah, you know, I was watching this movie and I'm like, you know, this looks pretty decent. And and here and slowly the movie starts to unfold. And it's a young black girl at this all white college campus. And I saw it from the get go. But I had faith like, man, maybe they're not going to go there. And then right towards the end, the young black girl sitting there talking with the other black lady. That's the one of the few black professors at the school. And she says, it's not you, baby. It's just America. It's everywhere. And I was like, gosh, damn it, man. Here we go again with the anti-American sentiment. And the biggest thing for me is it comes from people, black people that have way more damn money than me that are living high on the hog that don't know what it's like to have an everyday damn job and to have to, you know, actually work overtime to go take your kids on a nice date or something, man. And these people are so detached, but they're telling us how to feel in our everyday lives. So I'm just absolutely worn out and tired with the Hollywood elites, them. And then also them trying to groom our children, teaching sex to kids that are, you know, first, second and third grade. That should not even be a thought. But this is the current state of Hollywood. And so I choose not to subject myself to it. So, I mean, I'll be honest, like the only reason I knew about the slap with Will Smith and Chris Rock was simply because I'm on social media. Other than that, I didn't know. And I didn't care. I have not watched an award show and, I mean, God knows how long, maybe at least 10 years. I've never cared. That has never been a thing for me. It's just a bunch of rich Hollywood elites stroking each other off. Oh, you're so wonderful. You're so great. Oh, yo, you did such a good job. You know, but the truth is, These people, man, I just I can't deal with them. I just can't. And Will Smith, you know what? I'm glad that he's an actor because he would not have ever made it as a police officer the last three years in this country. Because you see, Will Smith, he ain't really hard. He's an actor. He plays hard. He pretends to be hard. Me and my friends, though, we built different, man. We sat out there on the lines, on the ride lines on protests for the last two years and still stuff that pops up today and idiots that we have to deal with, which we will talk about later on in this podcast and be berated and be threatened, have our families threatened, threatened to have our daughters and wives raped and insulted. And this guy, he can't take it. He can't take it. He just walks up on stage and smacks the taste out of a comedian's mouth. You know, and it's just so funny, but Ah, man. Like I said, we built different, man. The men and women of the thin blue line, we can take that crap on the chin and just keep rolling and keep moving. The difference is, you know, you, you come at us with that and you try to get physical. We're going to get physical right back. We ain't just going to take that. But then again, in this day and age with the uh, current political climate, who knows? I guess I'm just an old school cop, man. You come at me and you smack me, bro. You're going to be in for you're going to be in for a world of hurt and you will be going to the hospital and then after the details over you will be going straight to jail. I'm not playing any of that. Say whatever you want to a degree. But you put your hands on me, homie? That's a rap, dog. That is an absolute rap. But so so like I said, you know, I don't really get into a lot of movies anymore. I don't even know why I have Netflix, Amazon and all these other apps. Definitely don't have Disney. I'm not subjecting my kids to that garbage that they're starting to pedal, but what I do is I listen to content. I listen to audiobooks. I listen to podcasts. Well why is that? Because I'm able to go out and find what I like and what I want to hear. And not necessarily just what I want to hear. I'm able to get different alternatives and perspectives. But the one thing I love and the main one of the also the main reasons why I did my book because I love listening to stories of combat and I just love listening to veteran stories and officer stories. So I recently finished two great audio books that you all need to check out and I am hoping to have each of the authors here on the I am Pitts podcast in the very near future so the first book I want to talk about so when I was in Texas with Black Rifle Coffee a couple weeks ago Sergeant John Mattingly's book 12 Seconds in the Dark the Raid the, uh, the Truth About the Breonna Taylor Raid here in Louisville Kentucky that caused such a stir his book was released and me, I listened to the audio book while I was traveling. And let me tell you all, man, you know, even be being an officer here in Louisville, I have told people on plenty of podcasts. I did not know all the facts involved with the Breonna Taylor case. I just didn't. I knew what the media was saying, but I also knew what they were saying was lies. But I didn't know the actual truth of the individuals there and who better to tell the story than the man that took a bullet in the leg for the city of louisville and was thrown to the wolves and had his entire department and had his the entire city government and profession turn his their back on who better than the man himself john mattingly sergeant john mattingly to write a book and say what really happened that night and, man, I learned so much about him because, like I said, we've been on the same department for a long time, but I've never worked with him directly. I've seen him and spoke to him in passing, but I never got to know him on a deep level. But, man, this book really showed me a side of him I never knew. For example, I didn't know that his kids are biracial or excuse me, not his kids, but his daughter, his 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 grandchildren are biracial. But, of course, the media is not going to tell you that the media is just going to let you assume this man's an evil white racist, which I knew wasn't true. But I never knew that he had, you know, mixed uh, grandkids. But, of course, they kept that out the news and just so many other stuff. And the other thing I really enjoyed about his book was the element of truth. I mean, not just that. uh, He didn't hold back. He's dropping names of officers, council members that needed to be called out for their part and for spreading lies and, and corruption. I mean, that takes courage and bravery, especially knowing that you have people out there that are still looking for you and want to hurt you and want to harm you. Man, so that I mean big ups to him on that, dude. I mean, I mean it was a phenomenal book. And the other part I really liked was the fact that him talking about the riots, he sparked my memory. There was so much that happened happened in Louisville from the time the riots started to where the where it started to kind of trickle down. And I did my best to describe those moments in my book, but that's why I want other people to write about their experiences because there's things I forgot. For example, I don't know how I forgot, but I forgot that at 6th and Jefferson at the park, there were like two homicides. There was multiple shootings where all the protesters were. at. No, it wasn't the police shooting anybody. It was this group of people, and these protesters there at 6th and Jefferson. I had completely forgot about that incident. And you ask, how can you forget about it? Dude, every day was like a combat deployment. You know, I can't tell you everything that happened every day in Iraq. Because there was just so much that happened and so much that unfolded. But I can tell you about those certain incidents that I remember. But there were just so many incidents that happened in Louisville in 2020 and 2021, you know, that you just it's just not possible to remember. But his book for me spurred a lot of memories for me that I have forgot. A lot of things that I guess I just moved on from and just, you know, stored it in the memory bank and compartmentalized it as just another day in police work. But, man, he did a really good job on that and bringing that out. And, I mean, the truth has to be told, man. Somebody has to tell the truth. And, you know, the fact that I heard that uh, somebody on the police department on our web page, on our Facebook page, said that apparently there was a sergeant or chain of command and staff saying that, be careful what you post on social media. Sergeant John Madenley can do and say these things you know, because he's not employed here. And the first thing I thought when I heard that was, oh, really? So in my free time, I can't say anything about this or none of this stuff because I'm an employee here. I'm sorry. I didn't realize the Constitution did not extend to me as an employer, as an employee here. I have said it time and time again. We are employees here, not slaves. Are there repercussions for speaking out on things? Oh, oh, absolutely. I'm 100 percent sure. I'm still waiting for somebody to say something to me, but you have to ask yourself, are you really truly free if you can't express and use your First Amendment rights and you have to beg for permission to be free by your chain of command? That's not freedom. That to me, that sounds like some Russian Chinese, you know, communist stuff, bro. And that is not and I'm not going for that. I'm not going for that. And nobody's going to scare me into silence. I've been scared into silence for most of my life, and now I refuse to be silent. And that is why I am standing by Sergeant John Mattingly and his book and his crusade to put the truth out there and his crusade to call people out that are taking part in this corrupt political system and regime that we have here in Louisville. It's a damn shame, man. And this all could have been avoided in Louisville if the department and our politicians would have just stepped up and said, these are the facts. This is what happened. This is a lie. This is the truth. But politics and people care more about their next position as opposed to protecting the citizens in Louisville and the property and our officers, you know, and we don't do ourselves any favors because we let these lies just continue to spiral out of control and people formulate their own thoughts and opinions and views that are detached from reality. And what does that do? That puts officers at the crosshairs. And that is what has been happening here in Louisville. But hopefully, even John Mattingly said it this morning on the uh, Failure to Stop podcast that he feels like the tide is slowly starting to turn. And I think it is slightly, but I'm still not 100 percent sure. But, you know, small increments of improvements. I'll take it as opposed to no movement at all. So there's the future still up and open about that. And so the next book I read the other day. And I finished this while I was out on patrol, and that is why I love being a police officer. I'm able to ride around with the windows down and listen to a nice audiobook. book. And author Jeff Morris, he wrote a book entitled Legion Rising. Jeff Morris was a captain with the 1st Cav Division in Iraq from 2003 to about 2008, 2009, I guess. And so I came across this book as I was listening to a podcast and somebody talked about the Ambush on Haifa Street in 2004, in which the insurgents kidnapped a bunch of uh, Iraqi soldiers. And during that time, they executed them and they hung all their bodies out. And they did this as to lure in American troops and, and Iraqi troops to ambush them and kill more of them. So Jeff Morris talks about that in his book, Legion Rising. It's about his time leading, the, I believe it's a 189 CAV out of the first CAV. And man, the description in his book it like transported me back to the Middle East and back to Iraq. I mean, it was just so vivid. And I worked with the first Cav when I was in Iraq in 04 and 05. And it just the degree of separation from me in this book is just it was just stunning. You know, and I remember hearing about these battles that he was talking about, some of these gunfights. You know, so it was just and the, some of the guys that lost and that died. I was just listening to his audio book like my mind was blown. And there was also these uh, subtle similarities between his upbringing and mine. If you all know, you read my book, you hear me talk about my precious jacket that was taken from me when I was in a seventh, eighth grade. You know, he had a very similar situation, you know. So it was a very, very interesting read, very thought provoking. And even more. Him as an officer, he talks about how his trauma, how the trauma he developed. From being in combat and losing so many men, and the, his battle with PTSD, which has been a major part of my life the last few years, it just really struck me, man. And I hopped on the internet and I I found Jeff Morris, and he doesn't actually doesn't live far from me, you know. And I reached out to him and I talked to him about his book and I, And I I was seeking advice because, like I said, I have been in the harshest battle with my PTSD that I have been in in years. So reaching out to him and talking to him, man, it just really drove home to me that, you know, I still got a lot of fight left in me. I'm not going nowhere. And it was just good to talk to somebody else that had the same struggle and same battles and the same symptoms and the same numbness, you know, and the same desire to climb out of the darkness, but not just to climb out of the darkness, to stay out of the darkness. Man, his book was phenomenal. And the fact that he was so accessible I just sent him a message and told him like who I was. I wrote a book as well. And man, your book really spoke out to me. So man, it was just a phenomenal book. And I highly encourage you all to listen to it. If you're looking for a great read and entertaining read, or if you just need some inspiration and you're going through some sort of battles, man, Jeff Morris, Legion rising, absolutely great book. I mean, phenomenal ratings, Man, absolutely worth the purchase, man. So and so that is why I'm recommending both of those books. Sergeant John Mattingly's 12 Seconds in the Dark and Jeff Morris Legion Rising. If you've not listened to them, go listen to them, people. They are absolutely worth your time, especially for you officers out there in the streets, man. You need something to do and you don't want to listen to radio. You don't want to listen to all the violent rap music or w- watching movies on duty from these w- woke Hollywood celebrities. Go get the audio books, man, and listen to the audiobooks, All right. So moving on. Things continue to get interesting in Louisville, but in a good and a positive way, I'm very happy to announce that an officer that I've worked with, a former uh, 82nd Airborne paratrooper, Officer Ambers, he was just exonerated the other day from a use of force incident. So I'm name dropping him because I mean, everybody knows his name. He was at the height of uh, some of the protest stuff. His name was front and center. And I am not ashamed to say that I know this man and that I serve with him and that I am proud to serve with him. I'm proud to have served you know, our country in the same uniform as him. And I'm even more proud now to serve with him on LMPD. He is a phenomenal officer, but he had his name dragged through the dirt and he had protesters dox him and his family. And not just that. Protesters come out to his house and threaten his family. And how do I know that? Because I was there one of those couple few nights where protesters went to go protest at his home here in Jefferson County. And you all are probably wondering what happened and why was he doxed? Well, as you know, protests in Louisville have been a big thing here for quite some time. I mean, with the Breonna Taylor incident, the George Floyd incident, Things turned into a powder keg here and just blew up. Well, there are, as I've spoken before, a lot of these protesters and people that come here, a lot of them are criminals. A lot of them are slime bags. And a lot of the lawyers that defend these people are slime bags and opportunists. I mean, they're opportunists themselves, the protesters. I've told you all before, this is all about clout chasing, getting money and causing controversy and chaos because that is where cash comes from. But now that all the politics are over, And everything's kind of settled down. There's no more money to be made. But during the height of all this, we had a protester here named Mr. Garrett that is a convicted child molester, excuse me, child raper, convicted. And he decides to go to the park to protest to get justice for Breonna Taylor. And while he's protesting at the park, this man loves to go and carry this giant cross and stand in the middle of the street and block traffic. And well, We get tired of people blocking traffic and impeding the freedom, the freedom of movement of our citizens here in Louisville. And so officers go down to the park and I guess this was maybe two years ago, I'm guessing. It's been so long, man. But yeah, officers go down to the park and they try to move the guy out of the street. And the next, you know, the guy doesn't want to move. He moves to the sidewalk and he's, you know, he's already committed the offense of disorderly conduct. So officers go to place him under arrest. And while officers have placed him under arrest, he starts to resist arrest. And while he's resisting arrest, he gets his hands up under him and he doesn't give officer his hands. And what happens when an officer sees your hands go up under you? I don't know you. You have a violent history. Guess what? I am going to assume you have a weapon. And the reason you won't give in your hands and you have your hands under you is because you are trying to get that weapon. Case in point, me during the protest times last uh, in 2020, Out on Bargetown Road, I had an individual, same thing happened to me, would not give me his hands. And I had to show him some love with my fist. And like I said before on my podcast, I stand behind every punch that I have ever thrown while in uniform. I've never hurt nobody that did not need to be hurt. And we talk about de-escalation. And you know what? Sometimes there's time to you can't de-escalate. And sometimes there's no time to de-escalate. And it varies from um, scenario to scenario. But my individual, he ended up actually having a gun on him. And there is video of me with this individual on my knees with him trying to get his arms out from under him. And then you just hear me yell gun, 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 gun. And he was trying to get to his gun. I could have been shot and killed. And you know what? The same thing was probably going through Officer Amber's mind when this individual's hands were up under him and you couldn't see his hands. See, I'm not worried about people's feet in this game, in this line of work and police work. You're not going to get killed by somebody's feet. It's always the hands we have to watch. And when people's hands disappear and go into pockets, our sense of awareness goes up and the threat just increased that much. I don't know if you have a weapon, but if you do, I'm not going to let you get to it and hurt me or my friends. And so what does Officer Ambers does? He does, as we were trained in the academy, change somebody's thought pattern. Officer Ambers delivers four strikes to this guy's face to get him to comply. And it looks ugly. Oh my God, why are you doing this? This is police violence. Oh God, please stop. Don't hurt him. Don't hurt the child molester. Don't hurt the child rapist. He needs justice. So, you know, then next thing you know, they get him arrested. They detain him. And then they take him to the jail. And next thing you know, he sues. And then the next thing you know, there is an investigation that opens up. And Officer Ambers is being investigated for police brutality. And not only that, he gets thrown under the bus by some officers on the department and chain of command staff. All for politics, because we have to remember, we are in a time now where it's not about right and wrong and what's legal and what's not legal. Everything in the day and age we are operating in is about Optics and how it looks. Everything is so what they did. They were absolutely justified. And that is why officer Ambers was exonerated. And I stand by him proudly and say, I am glad he was exonerated and I don't blame him for doing what he did. But with that said, yes, uh, he was exonerated, which absolutely amazed me coming from our police chief, because it is optics and politics over What's right versus what's wrong over law and over versus legal and what's illegal and everything it revolves around that, man. And you cannot police in an environment safely where officers want to do the right thing and know to do the right thing. But you have to take that second and hesitate. But how is this going to look? How is it going to look? Is something a concern that should never come to any officer's mind. Only thing that should matter is doing the job with the information and intelligence I have at the time and making the best decision from there. But like I said, we're not in that day and age. We are in the time where it's about how everything looks. So shockingly, our police chief exonerates him and I applaud her for that. Y'all know me. I am willing to give praise when praise is due and I am willing to give criticism when criticism is due. So I give props to our chief Erica Shields here for exonerating my uh, friend and my fellow officer, Officer Ambers. But with that said, of course, it didn't just stop with her exonerating him. She had to get in the politics. And so on a local news station here, the uh, article says LMPD officer exonerated for repeatedly punching protesters during an arrest at Jefferson Square Park. And it says that Officer Ambers was investigated for possible violations of department policies involving de-escalation and use of force in the April 18th, 2021 arrest of DeNova Garrett. In a memo to Ambers on March 28, Chief Erica Shields told the officer he had been exonerated and would not face any disciplinary action for hitting Garrett four times in the head and face. Bravo, Chief Shields. Bravo. But here comes the stale part. However, Shields also wrote that while officers involved in the arrest did not violate policy, their actions were, in parentheses, not reflective of the extensive de-escalation training the department has received, and they could have made better decisions. They accompanied nothing, excuse me, they accomplished nothing other than to play into the hands of an attention-seeking individual who has a documented history of violence and is a registered sex offender. Shields wrote in a March 18th memo released to the media on Thursday. And she also noted that current policy does not distinguish between open hand and closed hand strikes, allowing investigators to be more subjective in deciding whether there has to be a use of force violation. Shields ordered that current de escalation and use of force policies be reviewed. I am so sick and tired of the word de escalation. Let me tell you something. Cops have been de-escalating for years. This is not something new. That is what we have always done. We don't automatically just go to hitting people in the face. We don't just automatically go to shooting people. We try to de-escalate, but there are just some situations where you do not have time to de-escalate. Sir, please put the gun down. I know it's pointing straight at me. There's a video that came out a couple months ago. An officer With the uh, suspect, the suspect had the officer at gunpoint and the officer had every chance before that to draw his weapon, but did not because he was trying to de-escalate and he was scared. That is unacceptable. But of course, like I said, because our chief, she's here. She works for the mayor, man. She's a politician. You know, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and openly shit on her, but I will fart in her direction. You know, she had to throw in this other stuff for politics and optics. So my thing is. If the officer is justified, why not just leave it at that and go about the way? But because she's got to let the other side, the left, know and the mayor know that, oh, yeah, well, he was wrong, but we're not going to punish him. No, if he was wrong and it didn't follow policy, why not punish him then? So why even state it to the media? Because it's got to show, yes, we're working to get better and we are here. You know, we have issues and the officers weren't right, but they weren't wrong. No, the officers were absolutely right. And then the other thing is Command. Why send these officers down there in the first place? Somebody hop on the radio, say, no, don't go. And now, like I say, we're getting a little better with that because absolutely these people are attention seeking and they are trying to bait officers. Case in point, the same individual. We got a new guy on the department that I work with. He's my partner. Great guy. He tells we were talking about this individual, Mr. Garrett, the other day at roll call. And he calls me and my partner calls me up in the shift. Was like, man, this guy is blowing lights in front of me. It's like he's doing it on purpose. And it was Mr. Garrett. He has a very distinctive vehicle that he drives and he was blowing lights in front of officers. Why? Because he wants to get stopped and he wants to get pulled over because he wants to bait officers into a situation and force us to use force on him because that is how he gets paid. And that is how he gets money. And he thrives off a conflict with police. And I completely understand what the chief is saying as to where, you know what, do not get pulled into these situations with these people. It is not worth it. And it is not. It's not. But at the same time, at what point do we uphold the law versus letting people go because we're afraid of a conflict with them? See, we should even be in this space right now as police officers. We should not be in a space of politics and optics. It should be, dude, you ran multiple lights, you're getting stopped, you're getting pulled over, and you're getting a ticket. And if you got warrant, you're going to jail. You should not get off because, oh, we got a bad history with this individual. No, that's not the case. We are the freaking police, and we are here to police and enforce the law. And if you so happen to fight the police, guess what? You're going to get your ass whooped. If you resist, guess what? You're going to get your ass whooped. Of course, we try to de-escalate long before that. Do we have officers that are not good at de-escalating? Of course, but that is not a majority of the officers I know that I work with. There are, are definitely officers that come on scene and I'm like, oh God, not this guy. He's going to wrap this dude up and we're gonna, I'm going to have to try to talk him down. But those are few in between, man. But no, it just shows the state of play and the state of politics currently here in Louisville where you have an officer that did their job and did it right. But politics and optics continue to play a key and major component in this line of work. And they should not, that should never be the case. You know, then you wonder why you have officers that want to police, but are afraid to go out and police because if they do something that they're legally entitled to do, but it looks bad. Next thing you know, you're getting investigated by the DOJ and you're going to end up like Katie Cruz being you know indicted by the FBI. So, Know the department, you know, leadership, city leadership's got to decide, do you want people to us to police and keep the community safe? Or do you just want us to go out here and focus on optics? Because we could do optics all day, but optics don't keep people safe. Optics is not going to get the homicide rate down. You know, in order to fight monsters and fight crime, you have to become a monster. But like I said, you could become a monster in this line of work without losing your humanity. And that has been a lost art. And we have gone completely one way to the left with just letting these, these the far left control everything and everything optic this optic that. And I've even gotten to that point personally where I'm like, man, I know I can. But dog, how is this going to look if I do it? You know, and that should never be the case. That is why we have so many officers getting shot and so many officers getting ambushed, because we are giving criminals the upper hand because reaction is slower than action. When we have to react, we are behind the power curve and that puts us in danger. And we are doing more reactive policing now than ever. Hence the reason why we have so many homicides and so much crime in the city. And it's very unfortunate. I want to believe that it can change and get better and that we can actually go out here and protect and serve people without the fear, knowing that if I make a mistake or do something that looks bad, my entire life is gone. My family is going to have to be without me. I'm going to be going to federal prison, you know, people, and you know, I've heard our command say, just go do your job, do your job, do your job. I hear you. I hear you. I'm doing my job, but do your job as well and stick up for me because y'all didn't stick up for Sergeant John Mattingly and a bunch of other officers that have been through stuff that didn't, nobody stuck up for them. But when they can see fit to get rid of you and throw you and cast you aside because, you know, it'll save their asses politically And get them to the next position. Of course, they're going to do it, man. I say, I love this department. I love this city. I love the people I work for. And I don't I don't necessarily trust the people above my division level because I know it's politics and optics and they will get rid of my black ass in a heartbeat if it comes to it. So why should I continue to hang it out and put it all on the line, knowing that, you know what? I'm going to lose it all. And even worse is the fact that I don't have to be here working. I'm here working cuz I want to cuz I believe in protecting people. I believe in the constitution. I believe in the people protesting against me. You know, I believe in their right to tell me, "Hey, fuck the police. Fuck 12." I believe in your right to do that. But the fact that if I do the wrong thing or make a mistake in the moment and I, everything's done and over for me, that's terrifying. And you can't have a police department like that. You can't protect, you can't protect the populace like that. And so that is where we are currently in Louisville. So yes, like I said, I will give the chief props for not disciplining a great officer. But you know, this is one incident, one incident. I would love to see more incidents like this where the chief comes out and stands up and says, you know what, we're not going to discipline this guy. But like I said, on the other end, of course, she's going to play politics and optics, Yes, your officer, you're innocent, but you still did the wrong thing, you know, and it's so easy for people that live in the puzzle palace and are in these cushy command jobs that aren't out on the streets anymore, that are so detached from the streets to tell us what we should have done in these situations. And especially when, you know, these officer Ambers and all of us that we've been out there from day one dealing with these guys in stress, man, and nothing was ever done to really help take care of the officers. Nothing. We just been worked to death. You know, they got us a little raise, but this ain't about money, man. It is all about support. That is what we need. Money is good, but officers want to feel supported. Officers want to feel like, hey, I'm going out here and doing my job, and I know that my command has my back, even if the city doesn't want to. And that's why I say on the division level, I'm cool. I'm Gucci with my chain of command staff, and my sergeants, lieutenants, majors. I'm good. Outside of that. I got trust issues and rightfully so, <laughs> you know, but, uh, going through all that, we go through so much in this profession we have gone through so much the last few years, but I have, I am constantly asking myself now that I'm 13 years in, has it all been worth it? Has everything I've done in this profession been worth it? The stress, the nightmares, you know, even my time in Iraq, was all of it worth it, man? You know, with my book being out and so many people reaching out to me and me sharing my story, and I'm thinking back about all the stuff I've lost over the years, the time I've lost with my family, how I've changed. My God, I'm going to do a podcast on that shortly on how the job changes you. It was just, was it all worth it, man? And you know what? I had an incident the other day at a public housing project in Louisville on the beat where I work. And I saw this little black lady. And as soon as I saw her, I remember the last time I saw her a couple months ago. The last time I saw her, her face was covered in blood. She had been assaulted. And I mean, I don't know how this lady lived. But somebody assaulted this woman and tried to kill her. I mean, I mean, it, it, she was a tiny, tiny little black lady. I mean, she probably maybe five foot six, maybe 100 pounds, you but. And I saw the video of the assault that happened with this incident. And as a matter of fact, I think I talked about it on a, a couple podcasts ago, how we caught the guy. But I saw that lady at the housing projects the other day and I walked up to her and I asked her, I was like, do you remember me? And she's like, no, I don't. And I was like, last time I saw you, you had been assaulted and somebody tried to kill you. And she was like, oh, I remember that. I was like, ma'am, I'm the officer that was there that night that uh, when you, when you called 911, I was the one that came and me and my partners were the one that found the guy that assaulted you. And this lady looked at me in the face and I thought she was a little crazy that night. It was just, you know, she got her head stomped on and had her face cut up. So she wasn't all there, Yo, but she looked at me and said, well, thank you so much. Thank you. She was like, I am so glad to know that there's somebody out here that cares about me and loves me. Because the people that typically live in this housing project where I work, they are America's forgotten. It is a horrible housing project and it's a lot of older people, man. And it it's it's horrible. It smells bad. There's so much crime. There's always something going on, you know, and these like I said, these are these are America's forgotten people. But you know who these people are not forgotten by the men and women of the thin blue line. I saw that lady and I asked her, ma'am, can I give you a hug? And I gave her a hug, man. And it just. It just reenergized me and revitalized me, because just like most cops, you get jaded and you forget why we sign up to do this job. And then we start thinking about the politics, the things that happened to Sergeant Mattingly, the things that happened to Officer Ambers and all the other politics that go on across the country with cops and we lose sight and focus. Of the single reason we decided to put on this uniform and this badge and wear a gun belt and carry a gun on our hips. Because there are evil people in this world that will do harm to a little tiny old black lady that can't defend herself. And that if it is not for us, the men and women of the thin blue line, these people would constantly be out here stalking and preying on the innocent. And I have forgotten that. I'm still going to forget in the future. But, you know, sometimes I need a good reminder as to why I do this. And that incident right there with her when I met her in the project hallways. And she and I hugged her and she said that I'm glad that somebody out here loves me and cares about me. Was it worth it? Has it all been worth it? You damn right it has been. I wouldn't change anything about the life I have lived. I wouldn't change anything about the service I have done. And like I said, I don't regret anything I have ever done in this uniform because people like her are the reason I continue to suit up and go and serve the citizens of this city. It's not about the politics, although it does get to us, especially the longer you've been in it. It's not about any of that, man. It is about the American populace. It is about ensuring that people can sleep peacefully in their beds. And it's about knowing that people can live their lives worry free. And if not for us, then who? Who else is going to do it if I'm not doing it? And I know I can't do it forever, but I would not be able to live with myself knowing that I'm able to do this job. And then I just simply walk away. Because of the politics and because it became too inconvenient to my life. You know what? One day I'm not going to be in this uniform. One day I'm going to be an old man. My wife is going to be an old man. One day my daughter is probably going to be alone somewhere. And someone is probably going to try to hurt her, me or my wife. And I'm not going to be able to defend myself, maybe. I don't know. I love the fact knowing that there are men and women out there who are willing to put on that uniform. That if I call 911, they are going to come and they are going to help my family and they are going to try and help me. That is what makes America beautiful. See, you go anywhere else and you talk to them about their local police, go to Africa, go to Russia, go anywhere else and ask them. Mexico, ask them about their police. And they will tell you that their police are the most corrupt. And that American police are the top tier and highest quality of officers in the world. Plain and simple. And that is why I'm still proud to wear this uniform and be part of the thin blue line. That is why I'm going to continue to serve until my body tells me no more, Dexter. You've done enough. So I'm not going anywhere. Am I going to stay with Louisville? I don't know. But I don't plan on stepping away from this uniform, period. I don't care if I make a million dollars off selling books. I'm still going to serve because this is the purpose that God has intended me for. And I am going to continue to do so as long as there are people out there that needs us. You know, they say the job is dead. The job is not dead. Y'all have heard me say it before. As long as freedom and liberty are still alive in this country and the Constitution exists, there will be people that try to take that away from people. And so the job is not dead. The job has changed, but it is definitely not dead. And I'm here to continue to serve and try to breathe a little bit of life back into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I podcast. Like I told y'all, it's not going to be super long. 45 minutes running, but my God, it's a little longer than I anticipated. But man, started getting going on that last little bit. A lot, of, a lot of passion. Love what I do. So, But like I said, hey, man, there's a lot of good books out right now. So if you all want, I'll tell you those books again. Go get Sergeant John Maddenley's book, 12 Seconds in the Dark. And also check out Jeff Moore's book, Legion Rising. And also, holla at your boy. I am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. It's out as well. Get a copy. Got a lot of good reviews. People love it. I've actually had people send me two handwritten letters to say, Thank you for sharing your story. and Thank you for your service. My first thought was like, damn, man, who writes handwritten notes? I felt compelled. I had to write them back, man. So everybody that has been reaching out to me about the book, thank you. Thank you for the positive reviews. If you could, go and leave a review for my book on Amazon if you have read it. And also leave a review for I Am Pitts on um, Apple, Spotify, wherever you can do uh, listen to your podcast at. Please do. Share with your friends and family. And if anybody would like a book, an autographed copy of my book. You want to purchase one from me directly. Shoot me an email. I am pits at yahoo.com. Tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell your sister, tell your friends, tell your side chicks, tell everybody about the book. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in and continue to love on one another. And remember you are all worth it. It's all been worth it. There's nothing about what I've done that I regret. I don't regret the American citizens and I don't regret you all tuning in and listening to me. Thank y'all so much. I appreciate each and every last one of you and I will see you on the next one.